Welcome to episode 67 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. Proudly brought to you by H. Parsons Funeral Directors, an Australian family-owned and operated funeral director serving the Illawarra since 1893. Firstly, I'd like to sincerely thank all of the interviewees, listeners and the football community of the Illawarra, Australia and the world who download this podcast. Additionally, I'd like to say thank you to the brilliant people who contribute, comment and reminisce on the social media pages. Episode 67 will be split into multiple parts and will delve into a wonderful servant of Illawarra football, Eric Thompson. From the late 1960s through to his passing in 2015, Eric Thompson has played alongside, coached, mentored, supported and encouraged hundreds of people in the Illawarra football community. The width and depth of Eric's football career is immense. I have tried to place the interviews I have collected in date order, but there are times where people interact with Eric multiple times, so it is not always possible. However, it is clear that we have only touched the surface with people's memories of Eric, but I truly believe what is presented gives an honest reflection of the man and his football personality. And please note, this podcast is dynamic and can be added to in the future, so please contact me if you want to record your memories of Eric. It was a privilege to organise and record people's memories of Eric. I am truly indebted to the many people who have given up their time, memories and emotions by being part of this podcast. Please note, as this episode was recorded over mobile phones, there are some slight issues at times with audio quality, and for that I apologise. Please enjoy part one of episode 67. I'm I'm Gary Masters, and uh, Tracker has asked me to, uh, to talk about Eric Thompson, who I regarded as a very, very close friend over a lot of years. Ecker, as I knew him, uh, and I go back to 1967, uh, Ecker was playing uh, for Fernhill Senior Soccer Club at Pop Errington Park, yep. which, which now has been turned into a, a play area for kids and <laughs> yeah, with plenty of trees and, and there's and no resemblance of a soccer field uh, that, that, that I first met him. Uh, I was only 15, uh, and in those days we were allowed to play senior soccer, which for me was running around in reserve grade at Fernhill Seniors, and then play under-16 juniors on a Sunday morning uh, down at Taraji Park because the junior club had moved to Taraji from Guest Park in those days. Uh, Eric was a a great clubman, uh, would do anything. First to training, last to leave. And that was my first impression of him as a person. Yep. Uh, and as I as as the years went on and he got into coaching, he was no different. Uh, he loved the comradeship. He certainly loved the, being a part of a, a great club. And Fernhill Seniors was and always was a, a very good uh, club to, to be a part of. Uh, Eka was a reserve grader. 
played no higher than that, could only kick with his right foot, and always played on the left wing. <laughs> As I said, I played uh, with Eka. Uh He he wasn't always, uh, you know, didn't always get a game. Uh, a lot of times he would spend on the sideline and would not worry at all. Um, that was just the way he was. But once again, didn't matter whether he played or not, first to training, last to lose. Later on that year, I played a number of first-grade games uh, under Ron Dukey Byrne, who, who played for Australia, and he was our head coach. And the very first person to come up and congratulate me on the Thursday night was Eka. Wow. On, on on being given the opportunity to play first grade with some very, very good players. Fernhill in those days was one of the uh, the top four clubs in the district, along with the likes of Bulleye Workers, EPT, Balambi. I sort of lost contact with Ecker a little bit after uh, after I left Fernhill to go and play at South Coast United, which was a federation club in in 1969 and, and played under the likes of Wally Miller was my very first coach. Uh, but he continued to be a clubman. I would, and I would obviously watch Fern Hill on the weekend, but it wasn't as close as going to train with Hecker. Coaching has always been his passion. He uh, was always really interested in junior development squads. Um, and I do know that yeah, um, I, I helped Ecker out a few times down at uh, Dalton Park there with some of his development squads. Uh, yeah, with people like Matty Callahan that went on to play at the higher level. Aaron O'Brien is another example of uh, a person that Eric had uh, uh, some input into their soccer careers. He also spent a lot of time with Balgany Juniors um, and he had a development squad there where I do remember that there was players that were hand-picked uh, and, and Eric would train them as long as, as well as them playing in their club sides. Eric would, would just coach these individuals um, and, and they all went on to play at a much higher level. Gus, that was around sort of 80s, 90s that he was doing this junior development as well, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. And, and part of that development that Eric had a passion for was doing some individual goalkeeper training, yep. uh, and I know that guys like Cradge and and, uh, and and others would would spend countless hours with Eric as a coach. And uh, and one of his traits as a coach, you never ever really saw him get uptight and upset uh, about when a session or parts of a session weren't going well. Eric's way of managing his way through that. Uh, was was just to continue doing it, was re- the repetitiveness, which probably in those days wasn't as, as recognised by coaches as what it is today. You know, coaches today talk about repetition, repetition, repetition makes players better. Uh, in those days, co- a coach would just go on to something else. But Eric, in his style, uh, would just want to keep repeating it until, you know, it got better. And I'm sure that if some of his Cringilla players in the 90s that were very successful will remember that Eric as a coach would put on some sessions in the front third of the park, you know, with crossing, shooting drills. And if 
they weren't going right, he would just keep them there doing the repeated, you know, sessions, you know, that it, that it become better, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, that, was, that was just the way he was. But Eric and I also worked together at Blue Scope Steel. Um, and, and I'm sure that if people like Andy Mullen on that had been interviewed, that uh, Eric, Eric and Andy, I think, worked over the 36-inch mill until it closed. But Eric then, being a, an electrical supervisor, was transferred over to the hot mills, the hot strip mill area, where we met up and worked together for a period of time. And then eventually Eric actually worked for me as an electrical scheduler. Once again, his willingness to do things correctly uh, was just outstanding. And, and the way that he would treat other people to do his job, you know, was, was just the same as, as how he used to coach juniors or senior players. And I had a great opportunity to witness that, you know. Um, you know, in, in not only his coaching career, but also his, uh, his, his work at, at Blue Scope Steel as well, you know. Was there times there, Gus, at, at work um, when there was some, some little bits of downtime that he would talk football with you? Uh, football was our second language, I think, uh, Tracker. You know, I, I think there was certainly towards the very end when um, when I got more involved from a coaching perspective with Eric. Uh, you know, when, when I actually did go to Cringilla in, in 94 to coach the uh, youth grade. Um, but uh, look, at work, Mondays was always talking about you know, what had happened over the weekend because we were both very, very keen on on keeping an eye on what was happening, um, you know, from a results perspective and whether I was, you know, refereeing at that stage or doing a bit of junior coaching, you know, with my Balgowney team, um, interested in where Eric's university team was going and then later he did a, he did a, a stint at Tarawana, then he ended up at Cringilla. You know, so very, very interested in in how he was going. But also, too, at that stage, Eric wanted me to help him with some of the junior stuff and interested in understanding how he would put a session together, which 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 did benefit me, you know, as well, you know. Was it the case that because you've had a, a strong relationship over a, a number of years that that's why you, he then spoke to you about a, an opportunity to go out to Congilla? Oh, most definitely. Uh, most definitely. I mean, I think at that stage, Eric, Eric had followed my junior Balgani team, which was successful over a number of years with, you know, winning champion of champions. And, and, and that team was coming up to under-16s. And, and Eric said, Gus, would you come out and... and you know, take over the youth grade and bring some of your boys with you, which, and I said, most definitely, mate. And uh, and I think there was about six boys actually came with me um, to Korean Park. Uh, and that was probably one of the greatest. I mean, out of all the coaching courses I've done, I learned a lot from Casey to Brune. But uh, working firsthand with Eric was, was really good because I got an opportunity to work with his first grade squad as well, you know, um, just helping him out, but just looking at the way he structured the session, you know, how calm he appeared. I'm sure inside he was boiling, or, but he never showed that. He never showed that to his players. Um, 
I didn't walk into the dressing sheds with him at half time, but I know. I, and, and yeah, maybe sometimes if Rebecca went to have a cigarette or something like that, that might have been a way of of defusing his his uh, yeah how he felt. But uh, he always appeared to be in control. Um, but some of his sessions with as I say, with his goalkeepers and doing some individual stuff. I, I actually have learnt that. And, and you know, my grandson that came through Shell Harbour Workers with Yanni uh, Sekolowski, uh, I did a bit of work with uh, the goalkeeper there and, 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 and really copied what I had learnt from Eric over the years in, in the one-on-one coaching situation, you know, um, which was really good. But, but just, it was always very funny to me because how I saw Eka when we first started, as I said, first to training, last to leave. And, and, and as a head coach, that's generally how you are. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter how long the session took. Uh, and, and, he, and he always used to do the goalkeepers before the other players turned up. So he would yep. be there earlier and earlier. Um, and that's where he used to get his one-on-one or his one-on-two with the goalkeepers. Uh, but he'd have them involved at the session at the very end. So they got a, a lengthy you know, uh, session all the way through. But the, the same attributes as I saw in 1967 is what I saw all the way through Eric's sort of coaching you know, lifestyle, you know. And probably one of the other things that I really did learn in my stint you know, with Eric down at Cringilla is I, I actually did learn firsthand what, um, you know, playing in club rivalry really meant. Yep. Um, you know, the, the days of, of the Coniston versus the Cringillas, you know, and, and Wollongong United weren't involved at that stage. Uh, but uh, I always thought, you know, playing for Tarawana versus Fernhill was like club rivalry or Tarawana versus Coromel was club rivalry. Not until I actually witnessed um, what a derby really meant um, to the passion of both supporters from both clubs. I mean, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights of training leading up to a derby, there, there could be 100 people, you know, in under that little shelter at Korean Park when you're walking into a dressing shed, <laughs> you know, playing playing cards, wow. watching, watching training, uh, waiting to see what the team was and patting people on the back after a training session. But I really, I really did learn a lot about what uh, what the sport and playing meant to those supporters. Really did. It was, it was a different world, you know. Um, different when you turned up and you didn't get the results. So, <laughs> but, but, but the fun, yeah, it was just something different. And I'm sure that people around the world in the EPL and in the Italian leagues, that's that's what they live for, you know. I, I had never ever witnessed that before in my life, you know. But his commitment to to development of people, you know, like as a player, even first grade, you know, that, that and as I said, Eric definitely wasn't the greatest soccer player in the world, you know. He probably struggled a lot, you know, but his ability to spend a lot of patient time with people learning certain skills and learning more about the game, uh, and I'm sure out of the, the people that you've, you know, you've chosen to speak to about Eric and what he did, what they witnessed and what he did for them through their careers, uh, they they would fully support what I'm saying, you know. But truly a great friend, 
a work colleague and, you know, I uh, uh, can say that I, I, I miss him heaps in, 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 in talking about the game and, um, yeah. you know, and, and just seeing where he's at, you know. Well, it's it's really been, uh, like I've said to, to many other people, Gus, uh, it's been, you know, goosebump stuff as well as um, fascinating to learn different parts of his character, um, his football journey, and, and now you've added a, a, a bit more uh, knowledge for, for the listeners about his playing career at Fern Hill and, and the insights that you learnt and uh, witnessed um, and now have recalled uh, uh, is fantastic. And, and I sincerely appreciate you, uh, you know, giving up your time and telling us a bit more about Eric. Uh, it means a lot. Oh, thank, thanks, Trucker, for that. I, I, uh, I couldn't speak more highly of a, a wonderful person. And on the line, I have Neil McKinley. Welcome and thank you for talking about Eric. I'll let you talk uh, firstly uh, a bit about Eric's timeline at, at the club at university. Okay, thanks, Travis. Um, uh, I have to put a little bit of my timeline in just before I talk of Eric's, in that I uh, started uh, playing football with uh, University of Wollongong, or um, yeah, University of Wollongong Soccer Club, in 1973. And uh, um, at that stage, university was. Uh, um, not particularly well organised in terms of playing. It was a two-team club, first and reserve grade in, in IDSA second division, yep. um, and we were we were struggling. I guess would be the best description. And um, in the course of 1973, I happened to be playing squash at the Kira Street squash courts, and in the on the court next door to us there were what appeared to me to be three very, very good squash players playing um, round robins against one another. And um, I simply noticed that one of those players was wearing a Lysarts uh, soccer uh, club shirt. And um, in, in his part time off the court, and I approached him and talked to him about Lysarts as university was going to be playing Lysarts relatively uh, uh, soon in, in our competition. And, um, yeah, and, and yeah, the, just the, the discussion of university and Lysart soccer clubs. And then later in the evening, I got to meet Eric Thompson um, and I of the three squash players. Eric was, I think, the, be- the best of the, of the three. The other player in the Lysart's uh, shirt was a bloke called Greg Handley. Yep. Um, we struck up a, con- a conversation and uh, somehow it got round to uh, the fact that university didn't have a coach and we were sort of coaching ourselves, if you like. And, uh, um, yeah, we, we struck a conversation that um, uh, had um, uh, Eric and and Greg interested and, and that's how they initially became associated with, uh, with the uh, university soccer club. They came and had a look at what we were doing and agreed as a as a combination to um, to coach us in 1970 for the 1974 season, yeah, and it basically started from there when uh, um, 
Eric was um, the primarily the uh, the head coach and 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 also fitness person. And Greg was his offsider. Greg was a a very very effective footballer um, in his own right. Um, between the two of them, they they formed a very good combination to coach uni, and they got stuck into us. And and we ended up in 1974. Um, I don't think we'd ever been any any fitter, although we might have been fitter in 75 and 76 because uh, <laughs> of the of the influence, but he, Eric was uh, uh, at that stage. I think, I think when he came to us in seventy, in yeah, in seventy four. I think he was about thirty six years old. Right. Um, and I think Greg was probably in his late twenties. And I, I think their association was primarily that they were both um, um, uh, electri- electrical. Technicians, engineers, if you like, at uh, within the BHP Lysarts system, right. and um, Eric's um, involvement, and uh, you know my my distinct memories of it were that the fitness regimes at the at the start of '74 season was uh, um, something to behold, <laughs> and uh, you know they were all they were called. Uh, Tomo's gut busters, and uh, you know there there was um, there, there was a fair bit of uh, uh, duress to to all the players. And the interesting thing was that Eric uh, Eric did it all with us. It wasn't uh, that he was standing around barking. He he at, at 36, you know, and we we were in we were in our late teens and early 20s, and some of us. Although there was Peter Bannister did yeah Peter Bannister was involved at that stage, so so. He was actually nine years older than Eric, but um, um, training of, of attrition, and um, we were we ended up being um, very fit and and very disciplined. And and Eric um, Eric took all of that major part uh, in, in, you know, on himself and uh, the design of the uh, of training programs and everything. I think all came um, out of his clipboard and and and. Um, and and Greg was, uh, you know, part of the team, but also, um, you know, the the reinforcing person, you know, um, backing up his ideas and and pushing how how they wanted us to play. He kept at us and he and and hammered us, and and you know, it it, it took a while. There was a bit of resistance to some of the systems. I I do remember that um, they wanted uh, us to play with. Um, a, a dual centre half, but not a not an not an alternative sweeping centre half, but a, yeah. a, um, a, a a stopper system. We were all a bit reckoning that wouldn't work, but anyway, um, it didn't work for the first few games. And then Greg, who was you know, had been a, a, a forward at Lysarts and started his university um, club career as a forward, um, he reverted to 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 one of the centre halves to. Show us how it, how he wanted it played, or how how they wanted it played, um, and uh, yeah, and, and it just went from there. Initially, Greg and Eric were the selectors, and they selected Eric. Um, Eric selected on the left wing in first grade. Having said that, he was to me a fabulous squash player and super coordinated. 
as as a footballer, he wasn't he wasn't particularly uh, coordinated. And um, <laughs> after one or two games, the uh, the club committee said to them, "Look, um, no problem with Eric in 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 reserve grade, but we just don't think he's uh, um, first grade." And that added a bit of angst into the system. But I think they sort of just agreed that that was probably right, um, yep. and uh, and and I think that was probably. Um, I mean, uh, no, that would have been Eric's guidance, but but you know, Greg was the one who was adamant that it, that you, the the first grade coach, he was going to be a player coach, um, um, needed to be there. But then they they anyway, so it ended up that Eric um, played first uh, reserve grade for most of the season and I'm struggling to remember how many years he actually played and then then he reverted to, a, to just as a, as a coach and manager I'm, you know, I can still think of, of in in road runs and increased demands and and all sorts of things that I'd never seen before in terms of fitness stuff <laughs> um, and it was you know it wasn't as though you could say oh he's just he's just bullying us he, he was he was there right beside us, doing everything that that he was asking us to do, and um, yeah, yeah, it was it was quite spectacular. And it and the word soon went round the university that um, the soccer club had this disciplinarian coach, and um, so there was a, a few people actually from from other clubs and, uh, um, and the like. Came and had it, had training sessions with us, um, especially pre-season. Certainly, um, I can remember running beside uh, John Jansen, who was playing at St George at the time. Wow! And he was he was he was a mate of of a f- few of the guys in the soccer club. So so wasn't wasn't that it happened out of the blue? But you know, Jano when he was um, um, pre-season training would 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 train with St George and also train with us because we were training on to fit in with the various schedules we were training on Mondays and Wednesdays I think okay. and that that's that suited so so we had um yeah. and at that stage Jano was a big man and, and to have him <laughs> uh, running beside us and with us and 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 groaning with us as well it was uh, it was quite a quite an interesting thing to to see um he had a um, you know, uh, uh, some set systems, and and he, and, you know, you hear stories now of people saying, sticking to the game plan, sticking to the game plan, and and Eric pushed and pushed at the at the basic game plan, and and the thing that I remember that that um, as we became, um, well, you know, I won't say super successful, but became more successful. And we we had a number of, of good runs in various seasons. Um, was that he pushed the fitness level t- to a high level, and then required us to be patient and required us to wear down the other team. You know that we needed to be rock solid in our defence, and and later in the game the chances would come because our fitness levels were. Um, uh, equal or better than 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 our opponents in on many occasions, and and I I can still remember you know being I was a marginal first grader so I, I got to play first grade maybe um, you know 
25, 30 percent of the time, perhaps, yeah. and uh, um, you know, in those games, thinking we just have to be patient, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, and and you know, towards the end, you know, we'd we'd pick up the the, the goal or the or the or the equaliser or whatever else, and and um, yeah, it, 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 the success to, in, my, in my memory were, were coming at the back end of the games. Like you said, that it was a real um, change in the culture. Even though it was early in the uh, university, um, its club's journey in our competition and in its own life, and um, he brought about this, uh, I guess, drastic change to what you used to, and and that brought about respectability and credibility on the field as well, um, amongst, I guess, against the other teams. Yeah, that 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 certainly was the case. Um, um... I, I think I keep needing to share that success uh, with Eric's um, fitness regimes and and his I almost say harping on the defensive system and harping on the things that he wanted done and sort of just concentrating and simplifying that to say you know this is what what how it's going to work and this is what you've got to do and then throw into that the skill and determination that that Greg Handley brought to our first grade team when Eric so Greg Handley was the first grade captain and the, and the, of the dual coaching role um and um yeah it it uh, it, it it did it made it made a hell of a change and uh, um we had some uh, as i say some uh, quite successful runs in various things over the over the period of Eric's coaching, um, which was so he he coached the first he coached us in '74, which is, was our third season in yeah. the IDSA, um, and then he coached us through to um, I think he coached us in '81, and I think yeah. he might have gone to Tarawana in '82. That's correct. '75 season, um, and I, I kindly thank um, yourself and and your brother for his eulogy where where some of this information was described publicly after his passing that 75 season um was uh, remarkable in the sense that these systems that he put in place meant that after seven starts he's had seven wins and and like you said it wasn't just other people at the university or other clubs joining in. It was other players from other clubs, such as John Hales from Shell Harbour, Murray Robinson from Fernhill, and Rob Kinlock and Tony Rossi from Bowgowney State League that came to the club and 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 joined in this Tomo revival. Mm, yeah, Murray Robbo came a little later than than that, um, but um, yeah, I think John Hales and uh, and I think Rob Kinlock and. Tony Rossi um, and 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 others that, that you know, I'm I'm struggling to remember. I might have to try and find some some player lists, but um, that yeah, it 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 it, it was um, the, um, a remarkable uh, thing. Oh, Andy Mullen was another that that yep. came in in the, in the '75 season, and uh, our ability to attract players and and also our discipline all contributed to that and yeah it was one of those things and it just it just built built the confidence within the within the in the club 
and uh, um, yeah, with with a, a number of players. And as I say, I'll keep harping back to um, how good and strong and uh, and and uh, reliable uh, Greg Handley was as as a leader and as a as, as a very very determined footballer. Um, probably not the prettiest player I've ever seen, but I, I think probably probably one of the most effective that's ever played for 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 university. 1975, where you had seven wins from seven starts. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the uniqueness of the club in terms of the national university championships and and what that means for uh, a club like University? Yeah, I, I, I guess I have to say that the um, what we'll call the good old days of of, um, of <laughs> university sport. It's probably um, uh, through uh, government. Um, uh, changes in attitude to to governments and the way universities are funded. We're probably um, not this day and age, just not not the same. But back then, um, there was um, uh, a, a well um, uh, received and set up uh, in, national championship system. Primarily East Coast universities, but you right. know from uh, from. Uh, all the New South Wales University, Victorian universities, Tasmania, um, um, Brisbane, um, and occasionally Adelaide. We didn't often see Western Australia, but we did see them once or twice. So yeah, a, a, a week of of university football and uh, celebration, as as might as you might be able to imagine, would <laughs> um, occur normally um, two pools, and you'd probably play. If, Three or four pool games on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, semi-finals Thursday, and a, and a final on on Friday, and and everybody goes back to their own local competitions uh, for Saturday. So it was uh, it was an exhausting week, um, and uh, I think the first one we went to was at University of New England. In '75, we went to, we drove to Melbourne. I played Saturday in Wollongong. Drove to Melbourne overnight um, and into Sunday um, uh, reception Sunday night, and then uh, games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, semi-final Thursday, final Friday. And I think we'll be in the semi-final, so we didn't have to play on Friday, so we had a day off. But uh, um, whereas we hadn't won a game the year before, we went there and and under um, Eric's uh, uh, tutelage, we uh, we did well. And and I'm just struggling. I, I don't think I was ever in a winning team at, at IV, but we we played in a number of finals. Uh, sorry, I'm going to say IV at, at the university championships. Yeah. Um, it was just called University Championship. How did um, Eric uh, take that you'd played so many games um, within the week and, and obviously the other uh, forms of merriment that, that uh, encompassed being part of the university games? And and then there was a, I guess when you come back, there was a bit of a, a losing streak. Um, how did he uh, how did he take that at first? Because this is unique to, to a club like university. I think he was probably... 
extremely disappointed. I know, I know, uh, I can remember that, that Greg was even more disappointed. You know, what the hell have you blokes done? You know, we, we you know, he was, he was right into us to, you know, you, you, this was irresponsible. You had the, every, you had every chance in the competition, and then you've, 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 you've blown it. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we, we had, it was a run of seven games, and I mean, in a, in a twenty-two game season, so it was a third of the season. But then, then after that, we we uh, we tailed off badly. Uh, so, I mean, Eric Eric was a bloke who he um, he was a he was a a bachelor, and and um, you know he 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 liked his beer after training, and and he had a, a bunch of. Uh, Willing young blokes who also liked a beer after training and after games and like that. So, so there was a you know a a, a pretty good um, camaraderie between between uh, the players and and Eric. Uh, Greg Greg was um, yeah maybe not quite so so into into the the celebration side of things. Um, but but you know that that wasn't any that's not wasn't to decry Greg. He was just that. I don't. I'm just trying to think. I'm not sure whether he was a teetotaler or not, but I can't remember that. But he wasn't. He he didn't. Uh, he didn't drink as much grog as as, as um, Eric and some of the others did. Um, I wasn't all that good at doing it either. But uh, so I, I. I mean, I think the the um, the players and and Eric certainly in, enjoyed the the social part of of the club atmosphere. And uh, you know, it was a you know, it was a fairly it was only it was only two two teams, so I, I guess we had thirty thirty five forty players. I can't remember now how many we used to be able to register, um, and uh, yeah, it was a pleasant time. And in, in those days, I can remember Dalgowney Pub was a place we frequented, and then I think in seventy five, probably or seventy six, the university got a. a an alcohol license for the sports area, and um, yeah, so we tended to have a beer there after after uh, after game day. Anyway, so the club became in that sec- IDSA second division uh, quite a strong team by the late seventies under Eric, and and like you said, the addition of of the players that came along in that period. So uh, for yourself, uh, we could you see. The strengths of Eric and and this discipline and the systems in place that that really brought about this change in success and respectability to the club. Certainly, the the, the respectability. I mean, we we um, we were more confident and and competent um, and fitter uh, than, than and fitter than most. I would think um, there was probably still what would I say. It was that lacking of of um, still not super super tough. Um, some of the other clubs that I can recall, you know, they were hard and we weren't quite as hard. But uh, I mean, that was that that was we 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 had we had strength. I think there was no, but there's no no, no mongrel in it. I can remember a few different players at a few different clubs who who would give us a hard time, um, knock us around a bit. But uh, in in general, um, yeah, I think we. It was really the overall um, discipline of, of, you know, Tomo saying, 
you know, you blokes, I really do mean this. You've got to do this. I really mean this. I, re- I really do mean this. And and then, and after he'd had a few beers, sometimes he'd start calling you my son. <laughs> and we'd all go, come on, Tomo, this is <laughs> time to go home. Um, and uh, um, he had um, a number of... Uh, um, goalkeepers that we that we had uh, along that um some of them popped out of out of nowhere we we had a bloke called Doug Hearn um arrive um he was a phys ed student at the at the uni um and uh um he was a, a top flight keeper but before that we had um uh, Jack Paul a, a bloke small in stature from from Winuna, but um uh, Eric um, put a lot of time into uh, uh, the goalkeepers and, and uh, that that we had, um, and you know they they worked on uh, goalkeeping and and they really I guess I would say worked on on a cohesive defence was the primary thing, and and when Greg Handley you know, he he worked at the centre of the defence um, for quite a quite a, a long time and then I think when uh, they were had um, they thought they had that discipline and 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 had the players to cover um, um, uh, Greg went back into midfield and and the like and stiffened that part of it um, <laughs> yeah so. 1981 uh, in his final year uh uh, it was sort of, I guess, a culmination of, of several years, it seems, from an outsider's perspective. But you went on a, a great Bampton Cup run and and at the expense of other ISA top clubs. And um, you narrowly lost the final against uh, uh, then a very strong-led John Bingham Shell Harbour workers. And, and you lost 2-1 in the final. So what do you recall about um, Eric in, in that sort of... Uh, Cup run and and what it what it meant for the club. It was pretty pretty exciting. Uh, um, I'm just trying to think. Who, there was there was a big cup run went on in in the English, uh, um, uh, you know, FA Cup. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, we were likening ourselves to. And I can't remember who it was now that, that <laughs> you know, in the FA Cup in this FA Cup run. To be honest, I don't recall too much of the detail of the of the various um, games and, and who we who we um, got past. Um, what I do remember was in the in the final, which was um, played at played at Berkeley, and Eric um, decided that that um, one of our our um, uh, our, oh, a striker, yeah, midfielder, you know, possibly playmaker number ten, a bloke called Paul Cavallari, yeah. and he decided that that Cavs would man mark and and shadow uh, John Bingham. I recall watching the game from the sideline. I recall that we went teams went on and introduced to one another and all of this, as a, as a usual thing. Cavs. At the start of the game, as a whistle blew, Cavs went straight to John Bingham and introduced himself <laughs> to John Bingham. And Tomo's advice, instruction was he wanted he wanted Cavs to to stick with Bingham and just spoil his his organising game. And that's exactly what Paul did. 
he uh, um, and so Bingham, who who was you know uh, playing in in midfield and guiding the team um, in an effort to try and get rid of Cavs, went back and played played as sweeper for for Shell Harbour, and um, and Cavs went with him. Um, <laughs> so it was his. It was it was really interesting sort of thing, but and yeah 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 like the uh, I think the tactic worked in that the impact that John Bingham had on the game was was somewhat reduced. He still had an impact on the game. He was he was a very classy player. Every time he got the ball, Cavs was right there beside him, in you know at him and whatever else. And and Cavs wasn't he wasn't a, a dirty player or anything like that. He was just persistent. He was quite a skillful player, skillful player in his own right and. Uh, but he was persistent and 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 nagging and uh, yeah and at the at the end of the game I remember that the Shell Harbour players um, came across and applauded applauded the um, Uni cheer squad because we'd put in a fair effort on the <laughs> cheer squad but I mean they could all smile they'd won the game and we hadn't but uh, yeah they're, they're my, my memory of it and and I think Tomo was um, pretty uh, pretty pleased with uh, with yeah, disappointed to have lost, but but pretty pretty pleased with the effort that that had been put up, and and that you know it hadn't been had been a um, um, a contest right to the end. Yeah. Eric, obviously, as we've spoken about before, finished in eighty one with with university. Um, in some ways, it, it might have been a a sad uh, ending to his his time at the university, but in in other respects, it. Um, what he uh, brought to the club was obviously attractive to to other clubs. So um, I guess people would have been sad but very happy for him when he did end up taking up a job at Tarawana. Yeah, Eric had always had um, a good, strong association with, with Tarawana. And through the time that he was uh, with us at, at uni, we had interactions with Tarawana and with the Tarawana uh, committee and the like and a number of our uh, players I, I can think uh, uh, Andy Mullen for one and Doug Hearn I think as well all went from university to Tarawana on Tomo's recommendation that these were players that were quite capable of doing well in uh, in IDSA um, first division the Tarawana People, you know, Ross Emerton and 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 uh, and many of the other committee members and and players for that matter were were all sort of um, uh, friends and mates with with Tomo and you know and through that association there was a fair bit of uh, interaction back and forth between Tarawana and, and University. We probably thought of them more as as the big brother club in the in the in the in the, uh, in the top division. So when when Eric went there. That was, you know, that for us that was a, a logical um, step for him to for him to make. He, he'd had a, a marvellous input to us over over the, the years uh, seventy four to eighty one. Um, many years. Well, we, I think we voted him a life member in 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 eighty two. I think. Wow. Um, and. Uh, um, I think then, uh, and he was, you know, back and forth to university uh, um, presentation nights and and various other things, um, you know, for quite a quite a number of years. 
after after that. Yeah. Looking back on that period of time now, where you're involved at the the club at university and the time with Eric, how do you reflect on him now? Many years later, I we I came across him somewhere. Um, I think at, at Belmore Basin, we were out and about, and I I ran into him. hadn't seen him for quite a long time, and. Uh, um, I said to him, "Oh, look, we should. We ought to get together. We ought to do some bike riding or whatever else together." And, and sadly, I didn't follow that up uh, enough, or didn't follow it up, and, and I, I lost contact with him again. And, and it was, you know, very, very sad to hear he was uh, when he, he um, yeah. So I, I didn't really have any contact with him. Um, yeah, he went Tarawana, and then I think he coached at Cringilla, and I think he might have even done some coaching at the Wolves as well. It was one of those things where I probably wished I'd have uh, um, uh, continued. I, I probably couldn't drink as much as Eric did, and so, uh, as, as he as he could. So I, I used to have to be careful in his <laughs> presence that I didn't get myself into hot water in terms of uh, yeah. He, he, he did. Look, he did enjoy a beer and and discussing the the philosophy of football. You know, he was he was a a, a Liverpool man, and you know, it, and he used to you know, talk about the Dalgleish and how what you know, which is what we need. We need a Dalgleish to do this or whatever else. And he was a, a, an interesting character, an interesting bloke to you know learn and and yeah, learn a lot of you know make me think more about football in terms of the the um, tactics and mechanics of, of the game rather than, than just the, the playing of the game. As I mentioned earlier, that discipline that um, um, and that, that patience that he that he drummed into us and, and the, the need to you know the, the minimise the mistakes and, and patient and, and, and wait for the wait for the opportunity that will arrive and, and if you're fitter than the other mob it'll arrive late in the game is basically a, 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 a philosophy that he pushed at us. Neil, it's been fantastic talking to you uh, uh, this evening uh, about Eric. Is is there uh, any final, final words that you want to add to this uh, wonderful uh, timeline that uh, of his time at university and, and what he brought to the club and and um, how wonderful a time that he did have in those seasons there. When he first arrived, we, the facilities at, at the uni had a very had a fantastic playing surface. We didn't have too much else in the way of, of facilities. There was an old weatherboard um, army hut that was we that the rugby club and the soccer club all used to get changed in whatever else and, uh, and storing of equipment was. And all of the, the all of the gear, you know, Tomo used to drive a, a a brown Holden, you know, the Holden Premier or a Holden Bro. I think it was actually the Brougham. Um Anyway, he, he um, it had an enormous boot on it, and it was just full of of university, you know, training cones and balls and everything else. And his his whole, uh, you know, his his car was a. a, a Football storeroom, basically, <laughs> used to be driven onto the paddock and open, and the balls and everything else would be dragged out of it and whatever else. And the end, end of the night, so uh, that that that'll be an abiding memory of, of you know, Tomo's Tomo's car packed to the packed to the rafters with with um, footballs and the, and the like. Uh, certainly for me, um, fond memories and um, yeah, in the early 
days, there was this anxiousness of of um, not um, uh, attracting the ire of of IDSA or whatever else by coming last or anything else like that. And we did as we did in our first season, but uh, in uh, and maybe even in our second season, we might have come second last. But after Eric's input, you know, we were we were mid table and sometimes. Um, uh, semi-finalists in, in in various competitions and the like, and um, yeah, it it made um, made certainly made football enjoyable, and uh, you know I think um, um, uh, we enjoyed Eric, and and I think Eric enjoyed um, his involvement with all these bloody mad young blokes who were <laughs> thought they knew how to play football. <laughs> well, I I think that's a, a a great way to finish it, and it means a lot to me that you've recollected all these thoughts and this timeline of of what he did at the university club and and i can can't thank you um enough neil for for okay. being on the podcast all right travis well uh, i'm 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 pleased to have been able to contribute and I, and i salute the work that you do in uh, in in um, recording some of the history of illawarra football it's uh, it's a, it's a great task you're taking on well, thank you, and, and I appreciate that feedback. It, it means a lot as well. Hi, everybody. I am. Uh, my name is Paul Cavallari. I've played football in Nilawara, you know, since a young boy. I first met Eric on the field at Kumadichi. Lagoon Soccer Field, which was the home ground of Port Kembla High School. And I remember him because that was my first taste of first grade. It was in 1973. And, and Uni still had the gold uh, University of uh, New South Wales, I think. Yep. I think it was the last year they wore them. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I was a defensive midfielder and he was a midfielder. And that's why... I remember him. Uh, little did I know that a few years later, or a couple of years later, I ended up playing with him for five years. Paul, how was he, uh, with that brief recollection, uh, as an opponent on the field? What do you recall of him as a player? Look, Eric <laughs> Eric was a gentleman through and through. I Normally, you wouldn't remember a, an opponent on the field after so many years, but because it was my first game in first grade, it stretched in. And he played like he coached, like he was in life. Um, a real gentleman, you know, uh, saying sorry on the field, basically. <laughs> I mean, we, I, I, I think we thrashed them about 5-0 or 6-0. Um, but never mind. It was, he was, you know, he had a smile. On, on. It was a great experience for him and it was a great experience to, for me. Because, like I say, I think we played in the same area of the field that game. Um, there was no incident, there was no real memory to stand out apart the fact that that was my first taste of first grade. So, yeah, and from my, what I knew of him later, a couple of years later, yeah, well, I wasn't surprised. You then moved to uh, University of Wollongong Soccer Club. Uh, what year was that? And, and, and is that where it sort of came back into your memory that, geez, I, I remember this guy that's the coach? Well, yes. After Paul Kembla, I went to actually Kembla Yep. And again, university, the university soccer club 
came into my life because I was playing first grade, but I was on the verge of being relegated. And I remember this game where I had to go out and perform. Otherwise, you know, it was, it was her grade next time. And I scored two goals again against university. <laughs> um, Eric wasn't playing that game. I think he might have played with grade. I'm not sure. But, yeah, and then um, in 78, uh, you know, we were a bunch of friends. We went to Paul Kembler High, and some of them went to, to uni. And uh, they said, come over. It's great atmosphere. We're all friends. So I went there and did pre-season training in the heat of summer, and a bunch of us turned up day after day, and I thought, yeah, this is a good bunch of people. And then I ended up staying there, I think, um, yeah, to 1982, so five years inclusive, yeah. From other people that I've interviewed about Eric, uh, they said that he was pretty uh, strict and strenuous in terms of his fitness work, so is that how you found the the pre-season in 78? (laughs) Actually, I've got some black and white photos somewhere of some of us playing that year and um, uh, uh, pre-season, I mean, mucking around. And it was, yeah, very hot. And he, but he, he loved football and he was there. It was not, it was not programmed or anything. It was just a bunch of us that at that time, we really missed playing football during the off season and we just got together and have a kick around. But uh, yeah, he was there and um, right up to the season, I suppose, when things started to be formal and, and, and carry on. And what were your first impressions of him as a coach uh, once it got into sort of formal training and, and game day? <laughs> the thing that struck with me is that Eric always had a tie, a shirt, and his blazer. Right. No matter what, <laughs> he always had his blazer on. And um, the, the, the training, um, it, it was funny, but not, not because of Eric or anything else. It was funny because it was University Soccer Club. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of us were friends. A lot of us didn't know each other. Sorry, there was groups that were friends from previous times, but a lot of new people turn up at the beginning of uni. And you really don't know what team you're going to end up with. So there was a lot of integrating that Eric had to do, a lot of working out what he's going to end up with for the season. And some years we had good teams, other years not so crash hot teams. But there was always friendship. There was always a good feeling. And that was why I ended up staying there for five years. Um, I mean, we didn't, we didn't win anything. We were a mid-table, a good mid-table team. Um, but we need the quality. We missed the quality that you really need to you know, make the jump. But it didn't detract. And Eric was the glue in all of this in that he never lost his temper once. He, um, he was, yeah, we were a bunch of mates. And for yourself, your development as a player, like you said before, you had stints at Paul Kembler and Kembler Wara, so you'd, you'd been around the, the traps, so to speak. Yep. Um, how did you develop uh, under his coaching? Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good question because, as I said before, we didn't know what we were going to end up with. So you end up playing. Me personally, I played a couple of seasons at uh, centre-half at Stopper. Yep. And uh, I don't know if you know the, the names. Paul Brown, he would have been around the district many times. He was sweeper behind me. Um, and then I ended up defensive midfielder and then attacking midfielder. And then I even played one full season. That was the season that uh, we ended up 
in the final of the Burbampton Cup, um, I played at striker. Um, we were playing the strict 4-4-2 formation because of the players we had. We had good wingers, a couple of us ball players, and a, a really good striker, Murray Robinson. Uh, he, he was like, you know, as fast as the wind and could jump like <laughs> anything. And that's the year we did the uh, Bampton Cup final. And that year, yeah, I played striker with Murray uh, as my partner. And at tra training, we, we did a lot of, uh, uh, you know, taking the ball down the wing, getting to the byline, cutting the ball back, first run in, second run in, all these sort of uh, drills. And that 81 season, um, like you said, was a, was a great cup run in the Bampton Cup. Uh, what do you recall of that? And, and in particular, the, the final itself against Shell Harbour? It was a good year for us. We had a, a balanced team, some youngsters, because I think that was the first year that we had to have under-19s. And our reserve goalkeeper in the Bampton final was our under-19 goalkeeper. We had a, uh, you know, a not not a super hard run in the lead up to the final, but the final was daunting. The final was against the Shalaba team that just won the Premier League yep. competition. We we did uh, some homework on detailing some some players, and then we played the game. And I think from memory we scored first, and then they equalised. Me, I ended up coming out somewhere in the middle of the second half with cramps <laughs> because we were all we were all running very hard to try and keep up with these guys. You know, I mean, totally different level of fitness. Um, the game finished at one all, and then I think from memory we lost in extra time. But anyway, regardless whether it was an extra time or penalties, we lost. Um, it, it was very satisfying, nevertheless. Is it true that um, that game that, like you said, there was some tactics from Eric to try and uh, stop players like John Bingham and 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 a couple of their their bigger name players? Um, that was me. And, and, <laughs> I was the John Bingham man. <laughs> yeah, and so did Eric uh, talk to you during the week uh, uh, about you know you having to sort of, I guess, sacrifice yourself to a certain extent to to take out one of their best players? Yeah, it is true. Uh, I mean, I like I said, I was uh, the, the, the striker that set up the other striker and I ended up being assigned man-to-man -man and being of Italian heritage, that comes naturally. <laughs> um, and uh, I went to see a couple of games that they played before and I really studied John Bingham intimately. Even his dummy, he always used to dummy, like walk away from the throw-in and then sprint back to get the throw-in. Yeah. And... Mate, no chance. I had that down pat. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I know he um, he had one shot at goal from outside the box when off a corner, sky high, but that's the only interaction he had in the game as far as I'm concerned. But I didn't contribute anything offensively or anything. I, I stuck like glue, you know, like... And that was the the talk from Eric to yourself during the week, and you sort of, uh, I guess, mentally uh, prepared yourself and, and yeah, and knew what you had to do then. Yes, and I was very confident because I I played I played um, even a couple of hours before uni I played stopper yep. on, on on against good players like uh, Hernandez that used to be you know the Uruguayan player for Warilla Wanderers that used to be a yep. real star here, and I knew I could do it. 
but Bingham took him took me around the field, and that's why I ended up with cramps. <laughs> Mind you, he come off ten minutes after me, so <laughs> he, he did as much work as I did running around and trying to shake me off. Okay, <laughs> he lasted more than me, but not much more. <laughs> so I was happy with my game, even though we lost. <laughs> yeah, but that, that that was good, Eric. Eric, um, I, he's a real star in my eyes. Yeah. And what, what do you think were the strengths to, to Eric's coaching? The, the the fact that he could make a group, the fact that, I mean, I don't know if it was Eric fitting the culture of university soccer team or us fitting his style of creating, a you know, a bunch of friends. But that's what it was. I also remember just now that um, we went to Sydney um, to concert by Madness. Okay. Uh, in the 80s, yeah. We, uh, yeah, a bunch of us. And Eric, again, with this suit and his thin black tie <laughs> um, to fit, you know, because that's what Madness was running around the, uh, the stage with. Yeah, we we, uh, we went as a team, as a club up there in Sydney, had a great night. But, you know, that's the sort of things that, yeah, that Eric did. He promoted team, um, team, it's more than teamwork. It's more than team bondness. I don't know. Yeah, togetherness. Like yeah, togetherness. Yeah. And are there any other uh, stories that still, when you think of Eric or or uh, you see a picture of him um, or hear his name, is there something that sort of or memories that still stick in your mind? Well, <laughs> just that every time we went to a function or, or presentation art or whatever. Eric loved Billy Joel and uh, and the Piano Man, and every time every time that song played, you know Eric his eyes glass over and he turned over, well to, to me but to other people, you know, and and he raised his glasses, you know, toast to Billy Joel basically, you know, and he's swaying away with the music, yeah, you know, like at one with that, with that particular song. To this day, every time I hear. Billy Joel and the piano man. I, I think of Eric. I cannot detach the two. It's really, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a link in my brain. <laughs> and also another instance that uh, is, is, is clear to me um, was when he, Eric turned up one, one, one I, I used to live in Kayama at the yep. time, towards the end of, of, of my stint at uni. And um, he turned up, uh, me and my wife, and he had a, a set of, Waterford Crystal there, you know, for Christmas. And he says, well, you've been really kind to me and, my, you know, I appreciate your friendship, all this sort of stuff. Here, have this. And I go, well, we can't have that. I mean, Eric, come on. And no, 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 you you know, this and that. And wow. Yeah, but that's the sort of guy that he was, you know. He just, he just would do this. Just generous. Things, these nice things. Yeah, generous and generous with his, um, his, 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 his way of life, how he open he is to people, you know. So, is that something that you, uh, apart from football, took away from from him as as a as a person and learnt from him about his the way he, uh, you know, his politeness and and his generosity with people? Yes, I I, I really um, you know like I really appreciated that and and I looked up to it because you know there are a lot of coaches that lose the the, the Ahead, basically, I I took on that calmness. Although I played a lot of defensive uh, positions, 
on that. I only ever got booked once in my life. And I think a lot of it was to do with that. You know, like, there's no need for nastiness. You know, you can be hard, you can be competitive, but in the end, you've got to be a good person, you know? Definitely. And uh, that, that's, that's, yeah, that, 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 that was a lesson in life. And is there any other items or memories that you you want to talk about, Paul? Well, after, after uni, I've really lost contact a bit because I went to play at Kayama for, for a few years and, and living right. in Kayama. Right. And I knew that he went to, you know, Bulgarian and up. Because, oh, he, had, he had a lot of connections in Bulgarian and Tarawana. Yeah. Um, and I think he went there and then, the, 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 then I knew that he was coaching Gunjila. And then uh, from Kayama, I, I actually moved to Brisbane, and that's what I still live now. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, I don't remember how, but one of the uni guys, I think, he told me when I asked, oh, how's, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, and he goes, oh, Eric, he passed away. I didn't even know. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, then you go, wow. That's sadness. That's part of my life gone, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, like I said, he was a gentleman of life, and he really deserves um, any, not, not so much recognition, but any remembrance that, that can be put out there. Yeah, I think that's, uh, apart from uh, giving uh, credit to myself, I'm just the conduit, and it's, it's people like yourself um, and and others that are going to be part of this podcast that are really uh, making sure that we do uh, remember people in our game and in this in this instance, uh, Eric, uh, like I said, he's had a huge impact on on many people and and I'd like to sincerely thank you, Paul, for um, your time today uh, and your time in your holidays in in reflecting on Eric. Oh, it's been a pleasure. My name is Andy Mullen. I, um, Eric, Eric uh, coached me when I played for uni from uh, 19, uh, 1976 and 77. And I was there for two years. I'd come from a club in Sydney and I went to uni. So uh, Eric was my first coach down here. And then I was again coached by Eric when I went from University of Tarawana in 78. But Eric joined um, Tarawana. And I think he coached um, the reserve grade first and around about... I don't know exactly, but maybe 80, 83, 84, uh, a couple of years then, and he was a reserve grade coach, and we ended up sacking our first grade coach. So, uh, and I was on the committee then, but we ended up, Eric took over the first grade coach for a couple of years. I was coached by him for a couple of years then. So, yeah, so, and then also, I he coached me um, when the university went away for the university games. He, he coached me then. I went back when I was playing for Tarawana, I went and, Back and played for the university for the uh, in the university games for a couple of years, and he was a coach then. So, so, uh, so I was, had a fair bit of to do with Eric over the probably six or seven years that I was sort of involved there. Also, I worked in the next department at Eric at the Steelworks, so I had a lot of contact with him at the Steelworks, and sort of we had a lot of discussions about soccer and and his thoughts and my thoughts, and so we had a lot lot to do with Eric there. <laughs> I think it was uh, eighty two to. 84 at Tarawana, but uh, yeah. back to 
was it your first uh, senior club when you came down here to study and then play for university soccer club? No, I was playing. I was playing in the Protestant churches comp in Sydney in, in the all age. I was. I played up there, and I think I was twenty when I come down to university. So I was playing in all age, all age sort of uh, comp in Sydney. Yep. Uh, and then I, it's actually similar. I met. I met a couple of blokes at uh, I think um, Wong Wong Pub. I think the same, and uh, they they talked me into going to uni for yeah, in seventy six. <laughs> yeah. How did you find Eric uh, uh, when you first turned up to training that year? Well, he he was probably the first coach I really had. The, the coach I had in Sydney was more, I, w- I would call them managers as opposed to coaches. They more more. We only had twelve or thirteen players, and it was really just getting people on the park on the Saturday and running around on Tuesday and Thursday nights when I went to training. But uh, it was it was pretty informal. But uh, but but Eric was the first coach who. When you come along to training, he actually had a set program in place. Yep. And Tuesday, I think like most coaches, Tuesday night was more of a fitness thing where we did a lot of fitness. And Eric, Eric was fit, so we, um, so we, he had a lot of, a lot of fitness drills for us. And from what I remember, which is, is a long time ago now, but it, it was never boring. Um, yep. I mean, I'm, I didn't really like running around the field, but he, he sort of, he sort of mixed it up a bit. But, but it was, it was, it was. They weren't boring uh, training sessions. And then on the Thursday, it was more of um, a bit of a, a set games and sort of um, some some certain double like uh, second defenders and things like that. So yeah. he was the first coach who really coached the game as opposed to being a manager. And and the, and the best thing about Eric, he was very understanding. He, he was very patient. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. And I think uni with uni, it was one of those clubs where. Sometimes you ran out of players because there was uni holidays and things like that, so you had to double up sometimes and play two grades. And yeah, so during this time as well, uh, uh, the, Eric was playing um, in in reserve grade, was he not? <laughs> he, he played reserve grade a couple of times, and he he, he always just he, I can remember him saying, um, "Do as I say, not what as I, as I do." Because I, <laughs> I, I had a couple of games in reserve grade behind him in goals and he used to be sort of the centre half or sweeper and all that stuff and I always remember he, had, he, he could hit a squash ball he was a very talented squash player but when he come up to hitting the ball he missed the ball by about a metre and things like that <laughs> and he'd turn around and say oh, I left it for you Andy and all that stuff so he, he actually enjoyed playing he sort of he, yeah, I don't think he would have, he wasn't a world beater but he, he got involved and he was he was fit so he ran all day yeah but, uh, yeah, uh, he didn't sort of play all the games, but he played a lot of the games in the grade when it was short. Yeah. So you had a couple of years with him at university, and uh, yeah. you, you spoke yeah. as well. Um, uh, you then, uh, even in your Tarawana days, came back to play in the intervarsity um, competition. So uh, did yeah. Eric change his coaching uh, somewhat during those uh, tournaments? I, I think intervarsity is more about more more about fun. Yeah. So it wasn't, and uh, I went. I think I went to university about six years, and Eric was always a coach then. But it was more about fun, and and, and most of the most of the stuff about university happened off the field as opposed to on the field, and <laughs> and, and soccer was a bit of a, a secondary thought. But but he was still serious. We were all serious, but sometimes we weren't very fit on the day. We were more 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 socially active at night than during the day. So. Uh, yeah. So, um, but he he was one of the blokes who actually um, really engaged and and just sort of took took it for the value it was. It was really just it was fun. Yeah, yeah. 
And one of the stories I, I do remember about Innovasi, I think it was in Hobart, where Eric ended up being the judge of the boat race. And <laughs> for people who know about boat races, he was, he was a judge of the boat race. And Wollongong got to the final and um, of Uni New South Wales, we got to the final of this boat race. And we all got to the end, and Eric said, I think it was a draw, we'll have to run it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we went through it all again. Oh, it was quite funny. Yeah, but, yeah, we had very good times, Eric, in the past, because, because he, he really he was, there, he was there for fun. As, yeah. as a, he had the serious side, but he had, he had the fun side as well. Which I, I think that's why he was a good coach. He knew, he knew about soccer, but he knew about off the field, yeah, having fun as well, yeah. So after a couple of years at university, you did go to Tarawana, and then uh, back, like you said, in '82, um, he then joined originally as uh, uh, as reserve grade coach. I, I think so. Yeah, I think that was the case. And uh, you were on the committee at that time. Uh, I was on the committee at that stage. I was a treasurer. Yeah. Did you sort of uh, put his case forward, or, or sort of say to uh, people, "Well, this is what he brings to the table"? I didn't really have to push him push him a lot because I think people knew what he was like and also when you sort of sacked a coach halfway through the season you sort of um, not, not not that we went there of course we, we, there's no option but I think people people asked Eric to do the job because they knew what he could do okay yeah and uh, so he didn't he didn't really have to push himself but he got he sort of uh, he knew he, I think he knew a lot of people there anyway because I think Uni and Tarawana had a bit of a connection a lot of a lot of people that didn't make Tarawana came came back and played for uni a couple of years and vice versa and things like that. And a fair few people went from um, university to Tarawana. Dougie Hearn and some of those blokes who were goalkeepers at uni and went to Tarawana and some of those blokes before Eric got there. So we had a bit of a connection. Yeah, Stewie Fogg, I think, went up there. Neil Johnson went to Tarawana, Tarawana who played at uni. So there's a fair few people left uni and went to Tarawana to play. So there was a bit of connection there before. And that's probably why you come up he joined as a reserve grade coach then, but then uh, then he was a first grade coach after we got rid of the the, the original coach. Yeah, and he, I think he was there for another two or three years. Did you see uh, any subtle differences between his coaching since you'd seen him last time at, at university? Not, not, not. I, I can't remember. There was a lot of difference, but he was he was it was like a lot of the things we did the Tuesday night fitness training and. And I think any team Eric coached, I think they were reasonably fit at the end of the year. Yeah. And I think he liked the fitness. And I think that's that's probably one of the strengths of uh, Eric that he had he had the players fit. Um, and also that he had tactics and all that stuff about tactics. Now I think at Tarawana he probably had more selection yeah. uh, of the players to to play with than he did at uni. Uh, but probably then. Probably that that stage, Tower wasn't sort of was past its past its peak a little bit, so we sort of were struggling a little bit. I don't I don't I don't think we made the. I think we 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 won a we won a Burt Bamman Cup final. Yeah, against Rilla. Rilla, yeah. We I think one nil. Mozzie Tomlinson scored the goal, but Eric was a coach then. But we I, we weren't the favourites that day, so I think we were sort of mid table in Premier League. And I think there was a couple of years we just um, just avoided relegation. Sort of we we sort of. In the last two or three games, we scraped from the bottom. Yeah, so it wasn't sort of we. What, what, they weren't the, the glory years of Tarawana then, but I don't think we had the players. But, yeah. But but Tomo, he, he just he, he accepted what he had and yeah, and he, he coached them. Yeah. yeah. He didn't make any excuses. Yeah. How did he influence you as a footballer? I, I think I think the biggest thing that you have to have fun. 
Because yep. really, at the end of the day, it's only district soccer. It's not like you're playing for Australia. And yeah. and they're the times where you did actually have fun during the game and after the game. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, so you always used to go back to the uh, club after with the uh, the other teams and all that stuff, and you got to know a lot of players on the other side. And, and Eric came back, and he 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 knew a lot of the players, and um, yeah, and he was yeah, he, on the other side, so he used to sort of uh, yeah, so he knew he knew a lot of soccer players or football players in middle life. And that's probably why he sort of got got around so many clubs because people knew knew him. Yeah, yeah. And are there any other stories of Eric that stick in your memory? Not, not that I could probably repeat so many times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the other good thing too, he didn't at, at Tarawana. He didn't take any money. He didn't ask for any money. I don't know about the other clubs, but he did it all for free. Wow. Yeah, so he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't take any money. He didn't ask for money, and he said, "No, I'm going to do it for free." And which is, and yeah, and I don't know what about the other clubs, but that that was he. He didn't do it for money. He did it for the pleasure. Yeah, and 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 um, he knew a lot about soccer. Yeah. yeah. He, he, yeah, he knew a lot about soccer. A lot of like like he said, I don't don't do what I do. Do as I say. Yeah, because I don't think he. He, he he was a good soccer player, but he knew he knew in his mind what 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 people had to do, and and I think he he used to he used to talk to people at, at their level, yeah, right. yeah. So I don't I don't think he came from a thing about I'm a better soccer player than you. He just thought he said he talked he talked through people about uh, at their level, yeah. which I think was a, one of his strengths. Yeah, yeah. Well, Andy, yeah. it's it's been uh, fantastic and. And fascinating yeah. to hear someone talk about him that when he was at university and Tarawana, and yeah. uh, added to the other interviews that I've done, it's it's fantastic to hear your memories of of the great man, yeah. and, and I really appreciate your time in in speaking with me on yeah. the podcast. No, well, no, no, at least I could do for Eric because I think he, he showed me how to enjoy soccer, which which I have done over the years. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Travis. Uh, my name's uh, Phil Scott. Uh, I played at uh, Tarawana Soccer Club and I was coached by uh, Eric Thompson uh, there from uh, uh, 1982 to 1984. He was three years at the club, so it's going back a while. Yeah, it is. And uh, what were your first impressions of Eric when he arrived at the club, Phil? Uh, well, Eric came uh, to the club originally from the university and he was appointed uh, the reserve grade coach. Uh, I think yeah, he had coached uh, at uni uh, there quite successfully and he was looking to uh, have a bit of a change of scene and get into the uh, Premier League. Um, yeah, Eric, uh, he's one of those guys that was uh, very friendly. He was an absolute gentleman and, uh, yeah, such a, such a nice bloke and... Uh, uh, yeah, as I said, he was reserve grade coach to start, uh, but uh, not long into the year, we parted ways with the first grade uh, coach, and uh, Eric uh, Eric was appointed uh, the uh, new first grade coach part of the way into uh, 1982. And in that time, uh, what was he like as a coach in terms of uh, training, um, game days, um, how he talked to the players? Uh, yeah, it was a it was a difficult time at the club uh, for him uh, to start off with. As I said, we'd uh, just uh, moved on from the uh, first grade coach, but 
and we're going through a bit of a rebuilding process at the time, and we're coming off some uh, golden years from the mid-debate 70s where the club had won everything. Uh, but Eric had a stabilising influence and gave an uh, opportunity to a lot of the uh, younger players coming through the youth grades, such as Ray Farrell, uh, Daryl Clerk, Mark Sweeney, Craig Vini, Phil Hatfield. Uh, Ray Farrell went on to um, play for the Wolves, so that was a good achievement for him and the club. And for yourself, were there particular sort of memories that you had about him that still stick in your memory? Yeah, yeah. Um, I recall Eric was a real student of the game, and he just had a passion for football and being around the club. He was very, he was a very popular figure there. Uh, he was a very smart man, and as I said before, he was a real gentleman and uh, someone you wanted to play well for. He was a real player's coach. And for yourself, uh, did he help you with your game? Uh, you're more of an attacking player. Um, uh, did he help you in any shape or form? He was a, Eric was a he, he was a great mentor. Uh, he, he was uh, as a coach. He uh, he was a quiet uh, he was a quiet man. And uh, in those early days, he probably uh, preferred a one on one chat with you rather than a sort of a rousing motivational speech. Uh, but as I said, he was an absolute gentleman, one of those nice guys. You know, everyone wanted to play well for, himself included. As you said, uh, it was a transition for the club, but in there, in the three years that he was at the club, there was success. There was the Bampton Cup win, wasn't there? Uh, yes, so uh, it will always be uh, remembered fondly in the history of the club. Uh, in uh, 1983, uh, although we were struggling in the league, Eric took us to the Bampton final where we beat Warilla Wanderers in extra time. Uh, through a uh, Steve Tomlinson free kick. Uh, Wirilla uh, had finished second in the league that year, so it was a great victory for the club, uh, in fact. Uh, yeah, one other story I told us about that uh, Bampton uh, Cup uh, victory. I can recall Eric uh, took us to uh, Valley Pub before the game to watch a uh, Rocky movie. I think it was the, uh, the Rocky Three, the one with the Eye <laughs> of the Tiger song. Uh, and uh, as I said I think it helped the boys get a bit fired up and uh, we got up uh, in a very uh, physical game and also in that um, game Graham uh, Edwards Graham Charlie Edwards was in Goldsboro and uh, he has just recently passed away he was was also a um, brilliant uh, goalkeeper and uh, a great cricketer as well yeah, well, uh, I, I just really wanted to relay a bit about that uh, Eye of the Tiger story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's yeah. great stuff, and yeah. Uh, yeah. hopefully both uh, Eric and uh, and Charlie are uh, having a beer together um, as, yes. as we yes. speak. Uh, both uh, very big figures uh, in the game in the Illawarra, and uh, sorely missed. And uh, like I said, I, I want to thank you, Phil, for for taking your time out today and and telling us a bit of what you remember about Eric, the great man. And, um, yeah, sincere thanks for you for, for coming on the podcast. Uh, pleasure to help out, uh, Travis. Yeah, uh, Eric was just starting out uh, when, when he was with Tarawana, but he, and, uh, he did well there uh, and uh, at our club and then went on to uh, uh, achieve a fair bit of success uh, with other club, Balgani and Kunjula, uh, uh later on. So, yeah, he had a, a great career as a coach. And also, uh, Travis, when he was at Tarawana, he was there for three years. He didn't even charge a fee for coaching. Such was his love of uh, coaching and the club. Uh, and I think that says a lot about the man as well. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And uh, it says a lot about him, doesn't it? 
It certainly does. So he was a, uh, as I said before, he was an absolute gentleman. Okay, my name's David Curley. I first come across uh, Eric Thompson in about 81. When I was playing at Tower, he was up at, up at the ground. At, uh, we had a guest coach from Sydney doing something, and, and Tom I was there. He was, uh, guys were talking about him, he was the uni coach and seemed pretty well respected, and he was lovely and polite and whatnot. And I remembered that. I didn't even talk to him, but I just, just remember the guy, seen him around. Yeah. Anyway, go well, the next season, 82, it was a massive, massive year for me. Um, I had uh, done the Stephen Bradbury the year before, as, <laughs> as we've discussed, and um, did get to play a whole preseason and a cup final and a um, one-league match in first grade. But it, by 82, I kind of earned the spot a bit, and it was I was there on my own merit, I, I guess, I hope. And it was going to be a tough year because Tara were very strong mid-late 70s, even into 80. They uh, won the grand final, or played in the grand final. Uh, won it in 79 and played it in 76 as well. Anyway, anyway, by 82, a whole lot of guys had left. <laughs> and um, this was a very, very young, uh, very young, inexperienced side. Mark Sweeney was the only player who was left from that good era. He was a, like a young guy in that era, but he was good enough to be in the squad. Um, and we started off with a, a new coach, a guy named uh, Jimmy Martin. Yep. A guy, new guy to town, nobody knew him. He was from Scotland. And uh, the most uh, memorable thing of Jimmy that people always say about Jimmy was a quote he once uh, he, he once made to us. <laughs> and uh, excuse my uh, my Scottish accent, but he was <laughs> he he would say, "You can't play soccer in dirty boots." <laughs> and as a coach, you'd think you'd be remembering more. You'd think you'd be remembering tactics and maybe man man management, etc. But no, that's what we remember. Um, I, I say that with tongue in cheek a little bit. But uh, where does Eric come into that? Well, where Eric comes into that is that after maybe five or six rounds, bottom of the league, the mighty Tarawana, this wasn't looking good. Jimmy was sacked, and that that was an interesting experience for uh, a sixteen-year-old me sitting in the shed one night at training when Jimmy was there. There was this other fellow there that I'd met, and there was the club president who kind of came in and gave the big speech that the uh, the coach was being sacked and he was being replaced by um, Eric Thompson. Wow. So so that was really how I met Eric. He he come in with a job to save Tarawana, and uh, it was a very young side, as I say, rebuilding, etc. And the, uh, the the upshot of that was by the end of the year, we, we did survive relegation just. It was a real dogfight. It wasn't until the second last game of the year that we uh, we were safe. Um, and looking back, that, I reckon that was my greatest achievement, you know, uh, playing a role in a team that managed to keep my beloved Tarawana in the Premier League, you know, for another seven or eight years or something. So, but, but, but Tomo, um, like for a 16-year-old kid playing in goals to be, to get the support and belief from him. And there was a good keeper in reserve grade. He just maybe wasn't as committed. Um, but Tomo showed his support for me and his belief in me. And uh, that meant the world, you know. Uh, so I think he had that in everybody. And that's why we, uh, that's why we survived. Because uh, he uh, supported us all the way and believed that we would. 
in that first year, um, what did you as a young 16-year-old notice about this new coach that came in? in? You know, you said he gave you support, but in terms of the rest of the squad, um, how did he approach you guys? Well, looking, I didn't notice it at the time. But, you know, as you get older and wiser and more experienced, you um, you learn about certain behaviours. And then you look back early and think, wow, that's what he was doing. And what something that Eric did really, really well, for example, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Mark Sweeney, was, he was the captain of the team. And Tomo coming into that difficult situation, you know, mid-round one, team in trouble, he engaged Mark really well. I, I remember, and that Mark was very much, he didn't lose any of his leadership. Like, it's as if Tomo yeah. saw that, that this needs to happen. This is how, how the transition can work, is using the key people here. And Keith Tomlinson as well, who I think it was probably Tomo's last season by then. So a couple of experienced good players, he um, he was he was smart enough to know how to use them. And I guess the, the term in education now is differentiation, right? You don't treat everyone the same because everyone's different. Mm. And and Tomo and going back to teaching, uh, teaching standard one point one is know your student and how they learn. So for a coach, it's got to be know your player and how they learn, what they need, what what makes them um, go down, what makes them go up, etc. And Tomo is really good at that. Yeah. And that the the relationship building. And he had a good knowledge of the game, and he was passionate. He, he's um, I mean, it's a long time ago, and my um. My tactical awareness would have been pretty low. I just kind of stood in the goals and tried to stop it, you know, uh, at, at that stage of my life. But, you know, he had all that stuff as well. But really great, as they say now, man management or, or, or player management was something that just really likable. Like, you'd, he, he would he would feel the pain when you lost. He would, But he would feel our joy when we won. Like, very, self, very selfless guy. Yeah. I guess it was new for him in the Premier League and being a first-grade coach, um, yep. and it was new for you as well. But did you sense uh, from him uh, a passion, a sense of excitement that, you know, this was a, a chance for him at the top tier, and, and for some of you guys it was as well? I guess so. I mean, again, being 16, you know, you don't think much beyond yourself, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but years later I did. Realise, oh wow, that was Tomo's first Premier League gig, wasn't it? Like, it, I, I already kind of held him in such high esteem that I didn't see him as a newbie. Yeah, I didn't see anybody as a newbie. I was a kid, you know. <laughs> and in terms of, uh, we look uh, superficially at, at trophies. There, there was the Bampton Cup win there. Um, that was the the following year in. In, um... That was 83, yeah. So similar to if you're in a band, kick me out and you become, become popular. <laughs> um, in 83, I left to play for the Wolves, so Tara won a trophy. Right. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and uh, Tomo to, 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 to was, was at the helm then. For yourself there, I guess, um, did that year with Tomo uh, give you a bit of confidence then to, to go to the Wolves? Oh, massively. Massively, I mean, um, the year before in '81, when I had 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 to play a bit, I knew I, I wasn't good enough to be there. I knew that someone half decent just had to turn up, and they were playing. I'm back to youth grade, all good. But after playing a few games in first grade, particularly against the very strong um, like Shell Harbour and Peachtree sides at that in that era, I thought, yeah, I can handle this. I'm not scared of them. Mm. You know, R R R Ronnie Vandervoort and Barney King are beasts, but I'm not scared of them. 
and I, I like playing against them. Actually, they played scored plenty of goals past me, but I kind of felt like like I belonged by then, and I reckon that that was um, that Tom had had a lot to do with that. Was that your uh, last interaction with him at, at Tarawana? At Tarawana, yes, it was. And until until years later, when I returned to Bali with Tarawana, when we were in the lower division, we beat them in the um, Hampton Cup. He didn't like that. <laughs> but in in between, and yeah, I think maybe you what twenty one ask now, maybe. Yeah, was it was it around the eighty seven mark that you uh, yes joined up with Bally and and had a season with them and 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 Tomo was the coach. Yeah, well, I actually had two seasons because early eighty seven I uh, lost my spot at Tara, and I think I admitted this to you in our podcast that like in some re- some ways that was a regret. You know, yeah. I, I should have hung tough and tried to get my spot back at Tara. That would have been a Really better thing to do, but at the same time, I did say that the two years I had about going were amazing because of Tomo and what Tomo had built. So going back to the the trophy thing, not this time Tarawana, but in '87, Richard Peel, who I played with at uh, the Wolves, was back there, yep. and a whole lot of really strong Valley juniors. Tomo had taken the Valley youth team. You, I'm sure you know this. I don't know if it was '85 or '86 or, or when it yeah, was. Yeah, '86. But 86, yeah, and they just won everything. They you know, won the Cass Cup, um, which is the Youth Cup. Uh, obviously won the, the league in what was then the first division and the uh, grand final. And he then, it was pretty much that team that then went went uh, went and played first grade the next year. It was, you know, uh, Glenn Kitt and Andrew Lancaster, Darren Jones, Graham Lovett, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. like that, that, that generation. All young guys, all... Um, I mean, I think Elkie was the oldest in the team. <laughs> he was maybe 23, I was 22. Or 21 or something. So it's a very, we did work out we could, if it was an under-23s comp, the whole team could play in it. <laughs> and if it was an under-19s under comp, most of the team could play in it. Wow. And this is a team that Tomo had built from the youth team. But I think it was also, there was more than just what was going on on the field because that was when I think the Keatons got involved in the committee yeah. and whatnot. And yes, we, we sat there and really watched and were part of Balgowney becoming a family club in that period, the late 80s, early 90s. It was very much the family club. Um, and it, it was really lovely to be a part of that. I mean, having played cricket at Balgowney and lived so close, a lot of these guys were my friends anyway. So um, Tomo b- built this family thing at that club. And as you say, I was there 87 and 88. Yep. I, I was there. We um, lost. We went out in penalty shootouts both years, uh, and but they were promoted. And then I think won the grand final in '89. Was it '91? Oh, '91 was it? it was yeah. a couple of years later. Yeah, but that was. Well, I went to that game, but it, and it was essentially it was the the most of that team. A lot of that team from '87, '88 were still there uh, then, and by now they're a bit older, of course. That, that's, a, that's a magnificent kind of legacy he, he built there at, at, at Balgowney, and he was really the, the father figure of the club, you know. And uh, the, the social stuff was so inclusive um, and so warm, and, yeah, it, 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 was, it was fantastic. And had uh, Eric changed in that time since you'd seen him at Tarawana then when you rejoined him at Balgowney? Had he changed slightly, or was it still the same Eric in essence? It was the same American essence. It was just, you know, more um, comfortable in his skin and more confident in, in, the, in that environment because because of the respect he'd 
you gain by then. But another thing that I don't know if people know that he did in, I think it was 88, um, and this was a lot to do with uh, Ray Screen, who was the president of the juniors at the time, and his sons were playing in the youth team. So there's a very close connection between the juniors and the seniors at that time as well, which also helps. But um, Ray set up a like a little kind of junior development yeah. squad thing. And one night a week, um, Eric would take them, and, and Eric brought me in to, to do some work with the goalkeepers. And going back one step, Eric was a very rare, probably my only team coach, who um, who coached goalkeeper uh, technique. Okay. Like other guys, Gus Master, for example, was fantastic. He always got me down there an hour early, had lots of shots and crosses. The insertion was the same, etc. It was a fair bit of that. But Tom actually taught me technique. And there wasn't much technical training back in those days. And <laughs> while technique has changed a hell of a lot since then, there are still a few gems from Tomo that I still use uh, when, I, when I'm coaching today. And that's rare. That's, that's, that, that's very rare. Um, so he, I guess, looking back, I, when I was just having a think about uh, this chat, that maybe I hadn't acknowledged this in my own head enough, how much he supported me getting into coaching as well. Yeah. I'd done a little bit with the, with the Wolves Juniors the year before, yeah. just because I think I offered or someone asked and they sounded like a fun thing to do and I had time. Um, but again, as you know, goalkeeper coaches weren't really a thing uh, back back then around here. Um, so Tomo, as well as teaching me some stuff, really encouraged my coaching, particularly through that program, which uh, if you do your math and your ages and what year it was, you might guess that <laughs> Matt Horsley was um, was in, was part of that group. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, yeah, Tomo identified him uh, very young, and of course, that's a whole other story about he, how how Tomo um, coached him at Bally. Uh, but he basically took him from that uh, Wednesday night thing we used to do, and pretty much a couple of years later, he was in the youth team at Bally, then playing first grade, then went to the Wolves, etc. So yeah, um, that was that was nice to see the beginning of that, and then watch it from afar um, years later. Yeah, and the club uh, reaped the benefits and. And so did uh, other clubs in the Illawarra with, you know, the Marola, yeah. Marola twins and and yep. um, the Rollses and, and, and the screens. And like you said, um, many juniors were, were developed in that period. Yeah, So for yourself, right. um, when you're thinking about Tomo um, and in coming up with this chat and thinking about him, what was the, the first thing that sort of, or, or visual that popped up in your mind? Was uh, oh, the, the looks he would give you. <laughs> and and the way he spoke, like Johnny Craig and I often would have a bit of a fun chat about uh, Tomo's mannerisms, being <laughs> both being very have a keen eye for that stuff, but also both being goalkeepers who'd worked with him. And Craig would say, "Man, Tomo actually could coach goalkeepers. Like you know, he he, he knew what he was doing." Uh, but my, the favourite one is like he say something and he goes, "I mean that, I mean that," <laughs> it, and you knew. Everything he said, he meant, but that sticks with me. Wow. I mean that, yeah. And and uh, and once when he said to us, you know, if you're anywhere ever, you need anything, you call me, and you believe it, you know. Yeah. And it's like if he coached a lot of players, but if you, in his eyes, and I think in our eyes, once Tomo's player, always Tomo's player. Yeah. And I think that it was it was like at his funeral. There were so many guys from so many clubs. At, at, at that funeral that had played under Tomo 
And that's that's the thing that really jumped out. But another thing I just recalled was that when he died, I was coaching um, only under 15 girls. Yep. And, and uh, I dug out my old um, 1987 Balgowney soccer club uh, jumper, black oh. jumper. Luckily, it was a cold day. <laughs> and it looked beautiful. still looks great. still fit, Travis, just somehow. <laughs> and um, and I, I, told the, I told the story uh, about Tomo to the girls before the game and said that today I'm coaching for Eric and I invite you to play for Eric. No, you didn't know him, blah, blah, blah. But um, Andrew Lancaster's daughter was in that team. Oh, wow. So that was nice. nice. That she she kind of she gave me a bit of a look at that that moment, which which was awesome. And it was that we we if we win that day, we we win the league. And we're out at um, Shalaba, and it was a very windy day, howling suddenly. We had to win in the first half, and uh, I was a nil all. Just couldn't just couldn't get it together. <laughs> uh, and um, second half, I've never seen a group of forty year old girls play football like that. Into the wind, on the deck, one touch passing, third man runs, we won five nil. <laughs> and I said to the girls, "You can." Um, wasn't real happy. Oh no, actually, at half time, my approach was like, "No worries, girls, we play that into the wind." Da da da. Um, but I think Tomo was out there, out there that day, <laughs> so, somehow. Okay. So um, I, I, I guess, I guess, just the fact that you know I'm, I'm coaching my kids' team, and I would bother even, to, or you just that you think of Tomo yeah. during during that moment. And that, you know, this is a significant moment. It was actually even at this club. This is a moment for you girls to hear about this man and go out and play for him. So, yeah, I mean, make, make of that what you will. But, yeah, that, that's something that just happened the, the, the week Tomo died. Yeah, it was two days after the funeral. But, yeah. the, the beauty of uh, football and life, really, in, yeah. in, in, those, yeah. in those sort of moments. Uh, so you've said it before, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up and appreciate your time. As always, Dave, do you think that that was his strength as a person and as a coach that he, um, like you said, he meant what he said and, and really had friendships and rapports with the, the players and people that yeah. were at the clubs yeah. that he was well, at? Well, just looking at, you know, when I look at that, there's one fantastic photo of a Cringilla team yep. that he coached that won everything. You know, Craig, Graham Lovett, Steve Krishna, um, lots of guys, you know. And I look at that team. Wow, that's a lot different to the makeup of the team at Tarawana and the makeup of the team at Dongani. <laughs> how how would the Tom I know deal with those characters? But he obviously did. Yeah, I'd you know I'd love to have. Actually, I'm going to my ass crazy next time I see him. But uh, that that jumped out at me when I was thinking about this uh, as well. And also because today, um, last couple of days I've been with uh, I don't know if you remember the great Luby Teleski. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's an electrician, <laughs> and and um, he, he's my electrician. And I met I meant to tell him this morning that I was going to be talking to you about Tomo. Wow. Because yeah, yeah, and um, well, everyone that's met Tomo has a story about him. Well, that's a a beautiful way for me to to end this uh, great conversation. And as always, Dave, I sincerely appreciate your time and and uh, recollections about. Um, football in the Illawarra and in this moment um, Eric Thompson so um, thank you very much for, for giving up your time uh, It's a privilege Trav and as I say thanks so much for um, for chasing me up and, and, and sorry you had to chase me up but yeah it's a, I'm, uh, I'm honoured to be um, with all these other people who are um, yeah, paying homage to the great man Eric Thompson Morning.
morning, Travis. Uh, my name's Greg Waters, um, more commonly known as Freddie, uh, amongst my um, family and friends and, and colleagues through the soccer fraternity. Um, I um, I started I was, I was about getting a junior and started playing at uh, senior club at Tarawana in '79 in youth grade. And uh, from recollections, Eric Thompson arrived on the coaching scene at Tara in '80. Two as a reserve grade coach, and uh, from memory, the first grade coach at that stage was a Scottish guy by the name of Jimmy Martin. We uh, we had a we thought it was a fairly good squad, but uh, results didn't reflect that early in the season, and I'm not too sure what occurred that uh, Jimmy Martin parted ways with the club and Eric being reserve grade coach at that point was promoted to the first grade job. And what were your first thoughts of Eric as a coach when he did come into that role? Eric was a quite unassuming type guy. He obviously, he knew a fair bit about the game. Uh, He was probably, a lot of the time for mine, he's probably didn't come across as a, a coach because he wasn't a, an angry man. He didn't tend to, to lose his cool too often. And, uh, yeah, he was probably, in, in, in some people's eyes, too nice to have been a coach. Didn't, didn't have that mean, angry streak in him and didn't tend to yell at players too often. But, yeah, he was, uh, he was a good communicator and, and a real nice guy. And those uh, three seasons he was there, and I know for, for one of them in the middle there, 83, you were um, not playing because of uh, having a wedding in 83 and whatnot, but um, it was really, a, I guess, a transition for the club in terms of the success of the 70s and, and early 80s. And it was really, um, you know, hard seasons in Premier League. So um, how did he, I guess, being new to Premier League... Uh, how did he face that as a coach? Yeah, he had some um, pretty big shoes to fill because, like you said, the, the club had been quite successful and they had a really strong first-grade side for a number of years with some quality players. When I first went across there as, as a youth grader, I, I, um, I got a, a, a bit of experience as a, a, a bench player during those early years and there was, like I said, there was some quality players and, and Tara had won a few... Um, and uh, cups in that time. So uh, Tomo had a, uh, like I said, some big shoes to fill, and, and we had a reasonable squad. But for those those few years that he was there, we uh, we struggled. We had a good time, but it was uh, it was tough going. Uh, the tables reflect that if you ever get to see them. But we um, we avoided the drop in those seasons, but we weren't uh, anywhere near the top four. And what do you think um, his uh, best qualities were as a coach? Uh, like I said earlier, I think he was a he was a pretty good communicator, and he could get his point across. And and sometimes, like I said, I thought he was probably too nice a guy. That uh, he he probably could have been a bit firmer and and a bit more passionate at times. And from your perspective uh, off the field, um, uh, did he integrate himself into the club really well on, on a social level? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was good that way. Uh, I don't think he was a, a drinker, and that, that probably uh, 
Tarawana culture, there were a lot of good drinkers in that club, as I'm sure there are in a lot of soccer clubs. But uh, yeah, he he used to um, go back and enjoy himself. And I, I also knew Eric because he uh, he had a house and lived around the corner from um, my parents' family home in Balgowney. So I used to see him a fair bit in um, travels going past his place fairly often. And um, for yourself... Uh it was a tough time for the club and, and you were a younger guy. So uh, do you think he uh, developed anything in, in you as a footballer when, when he was around? Hard to say. You don't, as a young guy, and you know, I was only 21 at that stage, 22, you, you sort of, you're in your own little world and, you know, working and I, I was just finishing an apprenticeship and, you know, you go to work and I used to look forward to, getting home from work and going to training and that was always good we always had good sessions and back in the day we used to love going to training and everyone would turn up so I, I found later in life when I got into coaching myself when I finished playing that sometimes it's very difficult because you know at that stage I was working 12 hour shifts and coming yep. to training and I only get five or six players turn up and, and you can't run a session with that amount of people <laughs> no. so we, we were very lucky and, and he was probably blessed as a coach that we, we had a lot of good guys. We didn't have any world beaters there, but we put in every week. We lost a lot of games, but we still had good times. Well, uh, Freddie, uh, I really appreciate um, your time in uh, recalling your your time with Eric at Tarawana, and um, it means a lot that you've uh, set, a, set aside some time to, to talk to me for this podcast. Appreciate it, mate. No problem. Anytime. Hi, uh, Mark Sweeney. Um, I first met Eric from uh, when I used to go up Balgany Pub in uh, when I was about 18, but uh, then I got to know him quite well once he came to Tarawana to coach in the 82-83 season, I believe. And Mark, uh, what were your uh, initial thoughts of uh, Eric then? Because he started off as a reserve grade coach and then um, and then came on later on in the year um, when he first came as a first grade coach, uh, what did you think of him? Yeah, I never had a lot to do with him early, um, but then uh, once he took over the um, the first grade role from um, a Scottish fellow he had there by the name of Jimmy Martin, he um, what his greatest strength was, I believe, was instilling belief in young fellas and making them believe that they were better than what they were. I, uh, I, a case in point was in 83, he he made me captain, so I was 22, and uh, I was playing in a side that had guys older than me, Andy Mullen, uh, Steve Tomlinson, Phil Scott, and I thought that they should have had it, but he said to me, no, I, I believe you will do a good job, and you're the captain. And he, that was a thing that I didn't think I was ready for, but he obviously saw something. And um, at the end of that year, we uh, we won the Bampton Cup, which I thought we had no right to win. We we played against a Rorilla side that was chock-a-block full of talent. You know, Robbie Hernandez, Barry Robbo, uh, that sort of ilk. Them and Fig Tree were probably the two best sides, and we, we ended up knocking them over, which, um, yeah, was a great thrill for all of us. And so you spoke about that he uh, gave people 
a go and, and gave people responsibility. Do you think that was his main strength as a coach and, and what he did in his time at Tarawana is give opportunities to people in different ways? Oh, definitely. I think we um, we had a few older guys that um, had been around, but there was a, a lot of young kids coming through, um, such as Daryl Quirk, Craig Veeney, uh, Slippy Farrell, people might remember him, but Mickey Johnson, uh, they were a fair bit younger than me, three or two or three years younger than I was, and he, he gave them all a go. Um, and as time has proven, they could all play. But Eric saw Eric must have seen that earlier than most other people, I think. From your perspective, although those uh, two to three years that he had at the club, excluding the the Bampton Cup win, were tougher years in the league, do you think he he handled the the IPL first grade coach role relatively well? Yeah, I think he, he like a a duck to water, mate. I think he um he had this belief, I believe, you know that um. He was sort of ready for the job. I, I just think he, he took to it relatively easily and took everyone else along for the ride with him. And, and as time, again, proved, he was successful with other clubs. You know, Cringilla, they won a couple of years, Balgiani. And for yourself, given the captaincy and, and then uh, what you did uh, further on in your career at other clubs as well, do you think um, uh, sort of being given that responsibility by him uh, helped you develop a bit more as a footballer? Oh, definitely. I, I It uh, gave me a confidence that I you didn't probably realise you had until he, he pulled you aside. And I mean, that year we were struggling. I think, oh, I can't remember where we finished in the league, but it was fairly low, probably eighth. But yeah. we were struggling. Uh, I think we were probably second last when he took over and we picked up uh, enough points to get us out of relegation. And... Um, yeah, I believe it, certainly. And, and and I used a lot of his um, training methods and, and uh, characteristics when I started coaching myself later on in, in my career. Um, I used to uh, go back to, you know, what would Eric do in this time? And, you know, um, and, and guys like him and uh, Dennis Patterson, yeah. John Bingham, guys I, I was coached by, all good guys and knew their football quite well. And what were some of his training methods that you did uh, use in, in your own coaching career? A lot of it was fitness. Yep. Um, but he, he liked to uh, do a lot of uh, one and two touch things at training, which yep. to us, yeah, it was probably new to us. but uh, And a, a little bit strange at first. He used to get to training and you do laps or road runs and he changed all that was no road runs as far as I was he never did it with me anyway but um yeah just he, he was a fitness guy but mainly what I said he just um yeah, he did a lot of did a lot of skill work so yeah that's things I took took along with me as well and off the field uh was he fairly approachable and and part of the team in the club oh very much so he was a he would give his time to anyone and and it didn't matter if you're a first grader or a, a junior or anything he would um he would spend time he's very generous with his time and his money in fact and if you needed a lift anywhere he was first one there to offer you a lift he was he was a terrific fellow and when i uh rang you up about uh, doing this podcast and, and mentioned his name uh was there a, a certain memory or or something that you visualized in your head of of eric when 
when you heard his name? Well, it's hard to put in words. There's quite a few things, really. It's um, one of them was that I've already mentioned that he would just he'd pick you up at you might be Coromel East Club, and he didn't live live far from where I was living at the time in um, Tarawana, and he'd he'd drive you home, and I'd say, oh, I'm not going for another hour, Eric. He'd go, Oh, I'll wait. And he would he would wait and then drop you off at your door and um, yeah just terrific memories and and you know in in his I believe I could be wrong but I, I thought he did the job for free um, at Tarawana he he didn't want payment that's that's my take and I'm not I could be wrong on that but I, I think he uh, I think he did it for for nothing. And for yourself and the club, uh, when we're talking about successes that he had at different clubs at Bampton Cup, um, mm-hmm. can you recall uh, anything that he might have done in the week leading up? Because, like you said, Rarilla Wanderers that that year were uh, a very, very hot side, and I think they made the grand final, in fact. They did. Um, so it was very much a David and Goliath-type uh, <laughs> cup match, wasn't it? <laughs> It was, mate, yeah. And it went to extra time and uh, was Steve Thomason scored the goal. Mozzie. Um, a screamer of a goal, actually. And, um, yeah, but leading up to it, we he organised for us to watch uh, Rocky up at Balgany Pub. Oh, wow. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, before the game. And uh, I think it ever everyone psyched up because I, I, I think he believed that if we played football, um, or tried to match them in football that we'd get blown off the park. So we sort of took a different approach, <laughs> which you can't really do nowadays, but it was a <laughs> bit of a, you know, pump and hack sort of thing. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> On that note, Mark, I'd like to sincerely thank you for, for giving up your time in, in remembering uh uh, the things that you can recall about Eric and his time at Tarawana, it, it means a lot to me that you can speak to the podcast and, uh, and and tell us what you thought about him. So thank you very much. Not a problem, mate. I, there is one other thing. I I just thought of it then. I In 2014, I was coaching the Tarawana youth grade and yep. Eric was coaching Quinjilla youth grade. Yep. And they were coming last at the time. And so we went down as a night game and we thought, well, we've, we warmed up beautifully, and and I thought, right, the boys are on, and and we got beaten six two, and <laughs> and I walked off, and Eric came and put his arm around me and said, uh, don't worry too much, son. You know, here he had the the voice. He said, you know, these things happen in your career. You'll get over it. <laughs> and I thought, bloody hell, it doesn't seem like it will. <laughs> so yeah, that's just one another memory of him. But yeah, excellent guy, great guy. Oh, wonderful, mate, and and thank you very much for for your time. It means a lot. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. It's Ross Emerton here from Tarawana. I'm uh, I was uh, a good a good mate of Eric's. He um, he tried to get me to come to university one year there, but um, I ended up going back to Balgany and with Dave Naylor. Uh, Eric took over from Jimmy Martin at Tarawana in 1982, and then he coached for another two years after that, in 83 and in 84. In uh, 1983, they won the Burt Bampton. Tarawana's won about four of those at the moment now. Yep. And the, the same year, in the under-19s, they, they were the minor premiers, 
and they won the grand final. I know Eric. Eric as a senior coach, he was he was part of it too. Eric was to me. Eric was a very special person, and he was one of the nicest blokes you could ever meet. In 1981, I was coach of Balgani, and we won the grand final. With that, Eric helped me during the grand final game, as he was a senior coach, and he kind of probably knew more about the senior coaching game than I did. In 81, he uh, helped you out in the semi-final series when you were coaching at Balgani. Um So you obviously knew of him then, and, and um, your relationship was good enough for you to trust him, and and you to, because I'm assuming you were player coach at that time. Yeah, well, I, I played that because the grand finals at Tarawana, Actually, I played I played reserve grade. Yep. And and we we won two we won two one. And I scored the two goals. <laughs> and but but I, at the same time I was coach of Belgani first grade. Yep. And uh, we won we won that game one nil. <laughs> and Eric Eric was at the game and Eric helped me at the half time talk and pre game talk. Uh, you know I was you know. I was able to talk to him, and he, he could tell me what what he he thought of the game, you know, whatever, and what to do, and that. So I always listened to him. That's why I had a lot of respect for him, and it was it was really good, and helped me out too. And we we ended up winning that. Gary O'Connell scored and win a goal one nil. So that was really good. In 1980, 1983, I didn't get the job at Balgani, and then Eric talked me into coming over and helping with Tarawana team. Eric was coaching then, and at the same time, I took a heap of. Um, Ex Tarawana players to come over and play under Eric, so uh, it worked out. It worked out pretty good. With Eric, he was, um, as I said, he was one of the nicest persons you ever meet. A good technical bloke on, on coaching. He talked properly, and I had a lot of respect for him. Like you said, he had three years at, at Tarawana. Did you keep in touch after the Tarawana years, or would you always see him out and about and say good day? Or we, uh, we, kept, I kept in touch all the time. We always. Uh, you know, if we'd run into each other, we'd talk about whatever and um, that. You know, so yeah, there was we, we always kind of see him, and he'd, he'd, he'd come to uh, he'd come to Tarawana games and watch him when he when he wasn't, you know, when he wasn't busy and that type of thing. So uh, yeah, we we kept in touch all the time actually. In terms of him as a coach, what do you think his best qualities were as coach? Hard to say, Eric. Is he's not? How can I put it? Like. When I've seen other coaches, you know, where they yell and scream and all that type of thing, Larry didn't, didn't need to do that. You know, he's just yep. he's just straightforward and he, he knew he knew what he was talking about type of thing. You know, teaches the players and how he respects the players too. You know, where you get some coaches, they just bullshit here type of thing, whatever. You know, but uh, and that's uh, but no, he he was a really a, a gentleman type of thing. You know, sometimes maybe sometimes maybe he was too too gentleman like. You know, yeah, where where he could have been a bit. Probably stronger, maybe I don't know, but um, but uh, you know, I, I I just love the boat, so that's really good. And in terms of Tarawana, it was a family club and a very uh, a very tight knit club, and still is to this day, where you've got great people at the club. So did he fit in pretty well off the field? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, sure, yeah, for sure he did, and and he'd always he'd always come back for a drink, you know, type of thing. There's no dramas there, and. You know, even if when he's when he's not there, so he's at university or something, he'd come to Tarawana and then he'd even come back for a drink then type of thing. You know, so uh, yeah, he was he was always always you know after coaching a couple of years, he was always kind of part of Tarawana and that. So uh, yeah, no, that was that was good. Did it surprise you at all that he had success at Balgiani and then Cringilla the way he did? 
No, no, because he was that type, he was the type of bloke that, that was going to have success, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, because he was that, that sort of bloke, and he just he just loved loved his soccer. Well, on that note, Ross, I'd like to sincerely thank you for for talking a bit about your memories of Eric and and how you interacted with him over the years in in the football fraternity in the Illawarra, and and it means a lot for me to to get you on the line and and chat to you. No worries, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. My name's Andrew Christie. Um, I was coached by Eric Thompson in 1985 at Fremantle when we were in the State League. What was he like as a coach? Eric was the gentleman of coaches. He was the sort of guy that never raised his voice. He had a game plan when he, when we played and he was always cool, calm and collected in the dressing sheds before games and after games. And for yourself at that point in time, um, you're a younger man. Um, it was the, the youth grade team that he was coaching. Um, did that make an impression on you? It did. It, it, um, it, was, it was my first time away from the year before I played at Bulleye and... Um, and I, and I went to try my luck playing in the state league and in the under 18s. Um, the team it was an interesting team because it was there was there was only a couple of us who were 18 at the time, and there was a lot of the team were 16 and 17. So we had a mixture of guys that could that were older, but he was able to blend everybody together to um, and we had a pretty successful year. And was there a couple of uh, examples of? Eric as a coach, um, whether it be on game day or or at training, that typified his coaching style or, or personality. I think that he was the, the what endeared me to him was his ability to to do and and to get the best out of of everybody. There were some young guys in the side. Alex Bondalo's brother Nova played in the side, and um, yep. with some of his mates and. They were the larrikins of the side, but he was able to, you know, um, when it mattered, he was able to sit, get them to sit down and and um, and really think about how they played and and got the best out of them. From your own uh, personal interactions with him, uh, how was he as as just a, as a bloke, as a man? After I played at Fremantle, he um he actually worked with my father, so I knew him right through pretty much right through my career and 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 sorry to interrupt there uh, uh where did he work he worked at, he worked at bhp okay um he worked with the schedulers in the i think it was the hot street mill but um yeah so so there was you know it was an office with um eric and phil torpy and and gussie masters were all in the same office sort of thing so anytime you turned up to to their office it was um it was always football talk on and right through my career, I played at Bulleye and Fig Tree and, and Tringilla. And um, I was always playing against sides that Eric coached. So um, I never had the pleasure of being coached by him again. But, um, yeah, but it was always fun playing against sides that he coached. And uh, when you did then uh, play against him after that year in 85 with Ferry Meadow, um, did he remember you and, and always say good day? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was always um, we'd have a beer at the fraternity club every so often. You know, he was he was always sociable. He was um, 
and he always made you feel welcome when when you played against him and and when you met him in in social circles. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, really appreciate uh, your memories of Eric, and and I think that's uh, fantastic what you've given me. No worries. He was a true gentleman of the game. Thanks again for listening and downloading part one of episode 67. It was absolutely fantastic listening to people recall some of their memories and thoughts on Eric Thompson. I reiterate my sincere thanks and appreciation to the people who gave up their time to be part of this episode. I am your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.